Uh, I'm going to read um, 14 through 21. So those of you who have been kind of uh, tracking with us, we've been kind of working through the first half uh, of, of Ephesians. And Ephesians really is kind of almost broken down into two major sections. You have the first three chapters, and then you have the last uh, three chapters. The first three is a lot of indicatives where it talks a lot about the uh, specific grace that we have been given in Christ, a lot of uh, um, facts about our salvation that we have been redeemed through the blood of Christ, sealed to the day of redemption, much of the gospel. And then this, as we kind of go to the end of chapter three, is a, is a wonderful prayer uh, from the Apostle Paul. So uh, I'm going to read this prayer, pray, and then we'll dive in to uh, hopefully help us in our own uh, prayer life. Uh, so let's hear the word of the Lord, Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from every family in heaven on who, on, and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of, God, love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, we do pray as we... Uh, study your words tonight, even as we think about how we should be thinking about our, our spiritual life. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would just give us wisdom and insight, that you would even inform our prayer life tonight, that you would grow and strengthen it, that our eyes would be uh, fixed on the things that matter most, um, our souls and uh, eternity. Uh, so, Father, bless our time tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Uh, well, there's, a, there's a great book I would love to, to commend to you, uh, uh, D.A. Carson, uh, wrote a wonderful book um, this, um, called uh, The Prayers of Paul. It's got to go through several different um, names, um, but it's a wonderful book kind of analyzing all the different prayers that Paul has uh, throughout his epistles. Uh, so this is one of them. There's another one in, at the end of chapter 1 that we looked at, uh, chapter 1, verse 15, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith. Again, he kind of has this wonderful prayer. Uh, he has the one in the beginning of Philippians chapter 1, um, my prayer for you is that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so you may discern what is best and be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ our Lord, right? It's a wonderful prayer. Uh, beginning of Colossians, Colossians 1, 10 through uh, 15, another one. So here's just kind of a, a wonderful meaty prayer. So if some of you are here tonight, you're like, hey, listen, I don't really have a very good prayer life. <laughs> I'm struggling with, with prayer. Well, one of the ways we pray is just by doing it, right? We grow in our prayer life by doing it. So if you have a struggle in your prayer life, well, just do it. Talk to the Lord, right? Find a place and a time that you can set aside the time to, do, to, to pray. But also, it's good to study the prayers that are in the Bible to help inform your own prayer lives, how you can grow in, in prayer. So let's look at what, what Paul is kind of, kind of uh, praying for the, 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 the saints at Ephesus, uh, but also how he's modeling for us how we should pray. Uh, so in the beginning of, of verse 14, it says, for this reason. If you kind of want to go back to the beginning of chapter 3, uh, Paul, it almost seems like Paul was about to go there. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, and then he, it almost like he's about to start praying because he says the same thing that he was going to pray in chapter 1, and yet he stops. He stops, and then he kind of recites the gospel again. Uh, we kind of looked at the, their chapter 3, kind of 
goes into this great gospel mystery that the mystery of Christ, that God was going to bring Jew and Gentile together under, under one head, under Christ. And he kind of talks of this gospel again in, in chapter, verse 7, kind of going down what we looked at the last several weeks. And then he kind of, kind of it's almost like that was a parenthesis. So if you think about chapter 3, verse 1, all the way to chapter four, uh, 3, verse 14, that's kind of like a parenthesis. Now he's kind of getting back to where, where he was going. Now, if those parentheses are inspired by the Holy Spirit, amen and amen, right? Uh, he was led by the Spirit to, to write this book. So it's for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Uh, now, it's interesting using this language of bowing. Now, he's praying here. You know, he, he's praying with talking about a specific posture that he comes to with prayer. Now, there's plenty of different postures that are mentioned in prayer, right? There are, there are uh, times in the Scriptures where it says that the saints stood and prayed. Uh, there are times when it says that people sat down and prayed. Uh, but when it talks about bowing specifically, there's kind of two ideas here. Anytime we bow, it's a sign of submission and respect. Uh, you would see this oftentimes in, in, in the old days when someone would come before the king uh, when, when, the, when you entered into the king's presence, you would drop a knee. That was a sign of respect, okay? Uh, or or you, would, you would bow. That would be a sign of respect. What you're saying is that you are my head. You are my leader. You are the one who owns, has my allegiance, my, um, my honor. So there's the idea of submission. So what Paul says when we pray, what we're doing is we're submitting to the Father, right, as creatures, knowing that he's the one who is over us. That is a health, helpful thing. Uh, so sometimes in, in our lives, we, are, we can prayer walk, you know, talk to Grant, right? Uh, you can uh, prayer stand and prayer sit. You can do all these things. But sometimes there's a, there's a time and a place for uh, kneeling, bowing on, on your knees. There's a time and a place to, to lay prostrate on the ground. Um, and I think that when this idea of bowing or laying prostrate, uh, one of the other aspects here besides just submission, this idea of intensity. You know, there, there's times when we pray, and we all know this, when you have a relationship with the Lord, you're talking to Him on a regular basis and communicating with Him. But there's other times that you, you get serious with the Lord. It's, it's, it's a different moment. We all have that in relationships with our life, right? We have people that most of the time is kind of every day and it's kind of normal, but there's sometimes there's a greater intensity to that moment. And I think when we bow, at least in the Scriptures, there seems to be a greater intensity. Maybe a couple uh, pictures would be uh, Daniel after he heard that Darius, has, uh, King Darius kind of set out a decree that they can't pray to, to Yahweh, uh, what did Daniel do? Got, Daniel got down on his knees and he went before the Lord saying, Lord, we, we desperately need you uh, now. Uh, maybe even when, with the Apostle Paul and uh, Paul was about to go to Jerusalem and never see the Ephesian elders of this book in Acts chapter 20. It says that at the end of that great kind of exhortation he gave to the elders, he said he, he bowed to his knees and he prayed with them all. There was an intensity because of the moment that was uh, ahead. Uh, so don't be afraid to change your posture before the Lord, right? We have freedom because we have freedom in Christ. We can do many things. But I think sometimes we get in ruts and uh, um, I guess I'll just use that word again. We get in ruts, <laughs> right? Uh, we want to make sure that we, we, we are, our, our relationship with the Lord is fresh. So if you have things going on right now in your life, uh, maybe a sin that you're struggling with or maybe something that you're kind of hoping for, there's nothing wrong with to go before the Lord and, and bow before Him. You know, physically feel the, the submission that you're doing. So that the text goes on, for this reason, I bow my knees before 
the Father. Now remember, this is the same way that Jesus talked about the Father, right? He, he spoke to God, God, my, my Father. This is a wonderful thing that God has done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have been united with Christ, and Christ is, or the, uh, the Father is now our Father with Christ, right? That we can approach God as Father. Now that is crucial, crucial for us as we think about our own prayer life. Now when we think about the word Father, many of us have have, have had good fathers. Some of us have had not great fathers. So when we think the word father, all, our, all of us have our own images that kind of come to our mind, right? But the image that should come to your mind is one that is, is, is approachable, one that, is, that wants you to come to them. The Lord wants you to come as, as a father wants his children to come to them, right? I mean, when, when my kids come to me in, when they're joyful, I love it, right? When they walk in the room and they're joyful and they just can't wait to, to see me when I walk, walk in the door, or when they're coming to me in tears and confession. That's also a joyous time. I want them to come to me. So I think this is, we need to remind ourselves that the Father wants you to come to Him. He delights you in you. He's waiting for you to come, right? So this Father, it says, we go to the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. Now, there's two different aspects here, depending on who you, who you read and, and what, what scholar you would refer to. Uh, most scholars would say what, what Paul's referring to uh, is the, he's the father of creation. You know, every family, every um, living soul has been created by the father. So every person in, in heaven and on earth, those who have already gone, um, uh, are belong to the Father. Now, some would say because the idea of heavens here, it's not just Him as, as the creature, uh, like those are, we're creatures that fa- the Father created us, but this is referring to from every family, meaning all the saints, all the saints in heaven, those saints who have gone before uh, to, to glory, and on earth is named, right? Which I think is probably more accurate here uh, because I think this idea of heaven and, and specifically that the prayer that, we, that Paul was going to focus on is a prayer for the saints, people who have already accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, G- those who, have, who were dead in their trespasses and sins and God had made alive with Christ. So it goes on, it says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to to the riches of his glory. You know, when, when someone is wealthy, uh, they act according to that wealth, right, in terms of giving up their riches. So, for example, today, um, uh, David Tepper uh, gave a huge donation uh, to teachers in North Carolina, right? He gave $120,000 to the teachers of, of North Carolina, right? Now, he, may ha- he has a lot of money, right? <laughs> but $120,000 is still a, a good donation, now, if, if, um, if I gave a donation to the teachers of South Carolina, $5,000 would be a, a really generous gift for me, right? Maybe even $1,000, right? Be, but like you, you, see, you, see, you see the idea here is that, you know, everyone acts uh, according to their riches in terms of what God has blessed them with. And what has God, what, is, what are the riches of the Lord? He has everything. He has it all, Right? And God is going to bless us with that in our life, right? According to his riches, he's going to treat us according to the riches that he, that he has. He wants to bless us. Now, 
Now, what is the whole purpose of all this, right? So that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant, right? Now, this is a, a great word, uh, may, right? He may grant God does what God does. We can't make God do anything for us. We can't say, Lord, I prayed this so many times, you have to do it for me. Well, no, the Lord is the one who's responsible for our, our joys and our sorrows, right? He's the one that sometimes removes our, our, our thorns and our flesh, and sometimes He leaves them and says, my grace is sufficient, right? My, he may grant, all right, we're, we're appealing to the Lord as a creature, as a child, asking our loving, gracious, good Father uh, to bless us. And Paul says, he may grant you, speaking of the church in, in Ephesus, and like I said before, this is one of the things that we want to think about as a church, is how should you pray for the church? You know, I think most of the time, we pray for those who are hurting physically. People who are hurting physically, that's when we pray. And listen, should we pray for physical needs? Absolutely. Absolutely. James says that, right? He says, call, if you're sick, call upon the elders of the church and have them lay their hands and pray for you, right? We should pray for our, our bodies because God has put our souls in bodies. We have embodied souls, and we know that when we have pain, our spirit is affected, okay? But what, what is primary is not our physical bodies, but our spiritual life. What God cares more about is not just how we're doing externally, but internally, why? Because we know that the outer man is wasting away, but the inner man is renewed day by day, right? It's this inner man that we want to, want to cultivate and we want to focus on. And beloved, I think this is something that we struggle with. We, 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 it's so easy to focus on the external, the material. Why? Because we can see it. It takes time to really focus on the heart. But this is what Paul focuses on. He wants to focus on the Ephesians' souls, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Really what Paul's hope and aim is, is that the church at Ephesus would live according to the power of the Spirit of God. You know, Paul says this in numerous other places, we want to live according to the gospel, uh, we want to live according to the calling which we have received right? I mean, this is kind of a theme throughout Scripture. This is past tense. These believers have the power of the Spirit, right? How do we know they have the power of the Spirit? Because they were dead in their trespasses and God made them alive. They belong to Christ and they have the power of the Holy Spirit with them. Uh, read uh, eight, Romans chapter 8, which talks about the life of the flesh and the life of the Spirit. When we're in the flesh, we can't please the Lord, but when we, when we have the Spirit, we can honor the Lord. Why? Because the same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in us, and if it dwells in us, we can live in a way that would honor the Lord. That's his, that's his aim. I believe that's all of our aim, isn't it? We want our brothers and sisters in this room to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we see that that's even what the Lord Jesus said when he, before he ascended in Acts chapter 1. He says, you know, uh, wait for me and, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Luke uses the same word when he talks, when, in the end of Luke's gospel, he says the same thing. You will, be my, you will have power to be my, my witnesses to proclaim the gospel of forgiveness. So what does this power look like? Well, the power that God has given us in Christ is the power to overcome temptation. One of the ways that we have the power of God is that we, when we are confronted with sin, we can say no because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. 
that sometimes we, we don't believe that we have that power. We don't believe that we don't, well, we, we have to be, we, we have to be anxious. Uh, we have to be critical. Uh, we have to be lustful. We have to be greedy. You know, whatever the case may be. We don't, we don't realize that we have the power of the Spirit of God in us. We can obey. We can obey. Why? Because you were dead and now you're alive. The power that made you alive in Christ is given to you. You can live in a way that honors Him. But not just to, to do and avoid bad things, but it's also given us the power to do good things, to love your neighbors and to love people that are difficult neighbors, right? You know, when, when God tells us to love our neighbors, we all know that that's a great command, but it's a lot harder when you have difficult neighbors, which I'm not sure if I'm a good neighbor right now. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is a complete aside, right? I used to always think that I was a good neighbor um, until uh, my neighbor kind of put uh, a line of like a plant and a bench and a plant to really divide the line. There was no, there's no walkway now between my house and my neighbor's house. I think fireworks uh, at one of the, the campouts kind of did me in there. So anyway, that was completely off the, off the subject, right? But so hopefully my neighbors have the power of the Spirit of God to love their difficult neighbors living next to them. Um, but we have the power to love the people in our lives who may, un, may be unlovable who may not be a desirable to love, right? This is one of the things that God wants us to do. He wants us to lean in uh, and love people well. Uh, God has comforted us with his love. He has given us and showed us his love. Therefore, we can love others, you know? We can do that freely. He's also given us the power to, to serve the saints, like many of you do, week in and week out. You serve one another. Well, how are you able to serve? Well, because God's given you the power of the Holy Spirit to use your gifts to serve and uplift others, you know? And how many times do you think, like, I'm just not sure I can do this anymore? And then you do it, and it's, well, that was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Because the the, the Lord wants you to use your gifts. He will empower you to do so. I think one of the ways that the Lord does, um, gives us this power, uh, that we're strengthened in our inner being, is really just to delight in Christ. That, that's a powerful thing that the Lord gives us, you know. Uh, when, we, when we think about all the things going on in this world and all the things going on in our life, what God wants you to do is He wants your affections to be stirred for the Lord Jesus. He wants you to, to, to experience joy in all the things that He gives you. It's not as, as Christians, we only um, think about Jesus all day long, Right? That's not what I'm saying. But you can, you can appreciate Jesus in all things when you do the dishes and you have hot water and you feel the hot water on your hands. You can do that when your children readily obey you that one time throughout the day, right? You, you, can, you can do that when you, you get a, a parking spot right in front so you don't have to walk very far. Right? There's, there's ways you can praise God numerous times throughout the day right? And hopefully every blessing that you have can cause you to, to have joy and delighting in Christ. But we know the Bible's very clear. We don't just rejoice in, in, our, in, our, in our good times. We rejoice in our trials. Why? Because we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character hope, and the hope that God uh, will not disappoint, will not, because God has poured himself into us by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
we have the love of God in us. So I think that if I was going to challenge you as a church, uh, as your pastor, I I pray that we would have more spiritual-minded prayers, that we would not pray only for our physical well-being, because one day our physical will be over, and we will stand before the Lord, and all that's going to matter in that moment is were we strengthened by the power of the Spirit in our inner being? Are we safe? Is it well with our soul? So I don't know how you do that with yourself, but I know this. I know that Jesus came to redeem all of us. He came to redeem our bodies. He died and rose again to redeem all of us. But he wants us to be with him. And I think what he wants us as a church, he wants us to be strengthened in our inner being. Well, how do I know that? Because that's what the Apostle Paul prayed. And that's what the Holy Spirit chose to have him write to encourage the saints at Ephesus and to encourage us so that we would be strengthened in our inner being. That's one of the aspects of this prayer. We're going to continue to go through the rest of this uh, in the coming uh, days. So I pray that you would uh, take time to bow before the Father, right, whom all, every family in heaven and earth is named, and that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant Park Baptist Church to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in our inner being. Father, we just echo this prayer. I pray for the people that I love that you would grant them to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in our inner beings. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.